This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop, taking supporters to Pataudry for free on match days. Siberia Bar and Hotel is open seven days a week, all year round. Come and join them in Aberdeen's biggest and best beer garden. And even better, head to the bar and quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Come on, you Reds! Oh, slight of foot there. It's Wednesday, and you know what that means. Welcome to episode 55 of the ABZ Football Podcast. I'm Gary Scott. Joining me this week, as always, it's Gavin J. Baxter and Graham Steele. Gents, how is it going? Good, thank you. Yeah, all good here. Uh, remember last week we were talking about how there's like comfort in things that stay the same when Christoph Berra was getting ripped apart by Bojan Miofsky and he was complaining like a little uh, a little biatch. Um, well, here we are on the ABZ podcast and we're about to dissect a, a defeat to Celtic. So the comfort is there again. Absolutely. I've just realised we look like some sort of like punk rock band out of Berlin in the late 80s tonight. We're all wearing black t-shirts, all looking mean and moody. I don't know what that's meant to say, but hey, there we go. In a week that saw the cinch get right back into cinching as Graham Alexander is Ian Cathroad after Motherwell's horrendous European result in midweek says the oddly angry, he's a really angry man, Graham Alexander, isn't he? And I can't quite figure out why. Saw him emptied before the season even begins properly. That saw Murray, not that kind of player, Davidson pick up a straight red card for being, uh, checks notes, exactly that type of player <laughs> against Hibbs. And that saw Ash Taylor turn into Marco Van Basten version 2.0 to smash home a volley for Kilmarnock against Dungeon United on Saturday afternoon. It's another busy week on the ABZFP as we take a look back at our 2-0 defeat at Celtic Park on the opening day of our 2022-23 Premiership tilt. We take a look back at all the news from AB24 this week and we preview next Saturday's visit of St Mirren to the home of football. Well, if I may just make one addition to... <laughs> The news from the week, the aforementioned Christoph Berra has officially been banished to the Phantom Zone. Exactly, well, we raise a toast to Christoph. More to the point, the slayer of Christoph Berra, Boyan Miofsky. And the Aberdeen ball boy. And the Aberdeen ball boy. But first, Celtic 2, Aberdeen 0, the SPFL Premiership, Celtic Park, Sunday the 31st of July 2022. Two changes to the Dons' starting lineup from last week against Wraith Rovers. Hayden Coulson coming in for his debut in place of Mason Hancock and Dante Povara in for Liam Scales. Unable to play against his parent club. More on that later. Povara partnering Ilba Ramadani in the centre of the park as Ross McCrory dropped back to centre half alongside captain Anthony Stewart. And <laughs> it couldn't have been much worse of a start for the men in red. A corner from the right swung in by O'Reilly into the six-yard line and Stephen Welsh nodding home a header to set the alarm bells well and truly ringing. The Dons having to weather an early storm as Celtic swarmed all over the Dons whenever in possession. A decent stop from Kyogo by Roos, helping to keep the score at one as the Dons struggled to keep a hold of the ball. A goal-saving intervention from Dante Polvara 
on 23 minutes was critical as the American managed to get his toe on a Jota pullback before O'Reilly could slot home. Before Kyogo nearly got on the end of an O'Reilly cross before Danish international O'Reilly, that man again, forced Roos into making a tidy fingertip save on 31 minutes. Matty Kennedy, Kennedy? Matty Kennedy managed to cut in and force a stop from Joe Hart before the Dons finally cut open the Celtic back line. Good work by Vinny Bajewin and his cut back from Johnny Hayes in acres of space, but he somehow contrived to fire wide from no more than 12 yards with the goal at his mercy. Halftime, and after a torrid 30 minutes, the Dons still right in the game at 1-0. The Dons making a slightly more, let's say, aggressive start to the second half. Ilber Ramadani with a nice little knee in the back of Rio Hatate. More of that, please, Ilber. Rooston had to make a couple of decent stops on 55 minutes to deny Juranovic and then O'Reilly from the rebound before Richardson found his way into Nick Walsh's little black book for having the temerity to win the ball from Callum McGregor. A double change for the Dons following on 62 minutes. Duke and Roberts coming on to replace Miofsky and Kennedy before Celtic made a triple change with Hatate, Kyogo and Maeda all departing to be replaced by Turnbull, Abada and Jakamakamakamakamakamakamakamakas. The game was overthrow on 75 minutes, Jota receiving the 25 yards from goal and he skipped past Dante Polvara way 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 too easily before smashing an unstoppable drive into the top corner past Kale Roos a deflected header from Polvara had Joe Hart scrambling to tip over the bar on 85 minutes but came to nothing before Jack Makamakamakamakis missed a sitter sticking the ball wide from five yards as the game fizzled out and the hosts took all three points in the east end of Glasgow gents your thoughts on that one I think ultimately, well, any loss isn't good. So that's uh, disappointing to to drop the points. I don't personally think results against Celtic really define our season or even give us a a barometer as to how good, bad or indifferent we are from last season. I think we were chatting about this a couple of weeks ago. If you think back to a few years, you know, under McInnes where we've been going well in the league on good unbeaten runs, as soon as we come up against them, usually down there, we tend to come um, unstuck, generally speaking. So I'm disappointed that we lost, not really reading too much into it. Um, and it sounds like you know, sometimes you're under the cosh, but you're always going to be when you play them there. Maybe Hayes scores, that changes things a little bit, but probably just prolongs the inevitable. I think overall, if we've come through it with sort of no injuries, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's another game that these guys get together to try and understand each other a little bit better. And like I said at the start, I don't really think that is defining our season and I don't really think you can read a great deal into it. Celtic were pretty good last season. I assume they're probably the same or better this season. So I don't really think it's anything to worry about as such. Yeah, well, I mean, let's go with positive things, first of all. And the biggest positive straight off the bat is that kit is fucking beautiful. That Aberdeen kit, that is, just for the record, it's sensational. I think um, I've seen some extreme reactions already because that's what, um, well, that's what Twitter is all about, especially. I think I'm with Graham that um, today is not necessarily the best way to gauge where we are in the rebuild. Um, That'll probably start next week in particular. You know, um, people have talked about how we went to Glasgow and played Rangers and Celtic at at their grounds and put in good performances last season and ultimately didn't really benefit us much at all um it's the games at home against teams that are around us or the teams that have got comparably um lower budgets uh the teams that are coming to patology it'd be difficult to play against that that's the games that we need to step up um we'll go into things in more detail i'm sure but i think you know you can talk about 
the approach that you can take, whether you go and be aggressive and try and be on the front foot or you be like what I believe we were today, a little bit more disciplined and more rugged in our defense, shall we say, um, make things difficult for Celtic. Um, ultimately, though, whatever happens, however you approach it, you need to take your chances. And yeah, that Johnny Hayes chance um, in the first half, on the brink of half time, that's a game changer if it goes in. So um, a learning curve for everyone. I think it was mentioned that that team Celtic started with would have played or could have played last season. So they have consistency going in. Whereas we had at least, I think, six new signings, potentially more making their um, debut or having made only a handful of games appearances for happening. So, you know, I think I think we've shown that we're nowhere near done in terms of our rebuild and uh, what we need to do. There's, I'm sure Goodwin will have seen a lot more that needs to be done um, in various positions, but it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right from one perspective there, Gavin, in the sense that if you look, if you compare starting lineups for us today between today's game and the last league game of last season, I think, if memory serves me correctly, I think there was only four players in our starting lineups today that started against St. Mirren on the last day of last season. That would have been McCrory, Hayes, Bajewin, and Matty Kennedy, I think. And also, I mean, people have seen this, I'm sure, but yeah, literally none of the signings that were here last summer featured in today's game, I believe, at all. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, David Bates wasn't even on the bench today, actually. Um, probably more to come on David Bates again later this week, I suppose. But I mean, I think we're all right from one perspective that, and it, it sounds a bit cliche, but it's cliche because it's kind of true. Um, we are in the middle of a, a rebuild that still is ongoing. Results at Celtic Park are not going to define how our season ends up this year. Um, it would have been nice, I think, to have gone to sort of park and carried a little bit more of a threat given what we've seen out of the team in the cup so far. I think I was a little bit disappointed that we 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 set up and we started the game very much on the back foot and we're very much inviting Celtic on to us. Um it kind of felt a little bit like a Derek McInnes-esque performance at Celtic Park from that perspective. Um but it is difficult. You've got the, losing the goal within two and a half minutes as well just doesn't help. The, the that that initial goal, let's quickly talk about that. Danny Povara has been the guy who's been getting a lot of stick tonight on social media. Um for his role in both goals, he kind of gets out muscled a little bit by Stephen Welsh for the opener. It's a very, very good ball into the box. I don't think we should lose sight of that. It's it's perfectly positioned, but to lose a goal when the ball drops in the six yard line, center your goal from a set piece in the opening two minutes is just, it's kind of criminal really, isn't it? I think it's one of them where if you concede a goal to some really good passing and really good link-up play from a team that by all accounts are very good with the ball, we've seen that for the last 12 months, you kind of hold your hands up and say, that's how it goes sometimes. Um, yeah, when you are when you have the opportunity to set up and you've, I'm sure they've worked a lot through the week on how they'll defend set pieces to... It goes back, it's the same as last season, you know, you you find yourself a goal down and give yourself a mountain to climb straight away. I mean, you're you're more fucked than than Bulldog in ninety two at Wembley <laughs> Stadium. It's it makes it it makes a very difficult task, you know, even harder, borderline impossible. Because all this all that's gonna happen is they'll keep the ball, they'll knock it around, we'll chase where we can, but chances are we'll afford them space and you know, more and more chances will come for them. That's a wonderfully niche reference there, Gavin, that only about two people are going to get. Hey, that's what I'm all about. I fuck Mr. Hitman. But it, it was, it, it, you're right, it, it's a terrible start. It, it, it sets the tone for the rest of the game. That first 30 minutes in particular, it, it was pretty grim viewing. We were really happy to just sit off Celtic, let them dictate, and we had gaps just appearing all over the park, in particular in the centre midfield and down our right-hand side. Um, we were probably quite fortunate, I think, to go in at halftime is still 1-0. But the massive chance is the Johnny Hayes opportunity. And like I say, the first 30 minutes were, were poor from us all round. 
But we started to really get into the game in that last 15 minutes of the first half. There was a decent opportunity for Kennedy, I think. He, he shot from distance. It was our first kind of sight on goal, really. Then we started to get a bit of joy down the flanks, uh, getting some balls in the box, but with nobody really meeting them. But that miss for Hayes is just... If you're going to go to Celtic Park and you're going to take anything, those are the types of chances you need to take. And I saw somebody make a very good point with this as well. It's that lack of conviction and that lack of... Is, I don't want to say it's lack of ability, but lack of conviction at times when it matters that kills us in these games. Like, you look at Johnny Hayes against Braith Rovers last week. He's, he's scoring that one-on-one chance every day of the week. But then, arguably, the chance today at Celtic Park is easier. He even has time to take a touch on it and really set himself. The goal's gaping. He just needs to slot it into the net. And somehow he contrives to bend it around the post. And it's those moments of conviction that really cost us, I think, in, in Glasgow in particular. When you need your composure the absolute most, isn't it, in those situations, for what you said, I mean, you know you'll get chances, because it doesn't matter how good the opposition are. Well, maybe not last season, but generally speaking, you're going to create chances. Whether they make a mistake, there will be an opportunity to score. And in the you know games against the quote-unquote lesser teams, for want of a better word, you'll get more chances. So it's not as critical. You miss one when you know another one's coming. That was a classic example of there won't be many, especially really, really good chances like that. And you're right, it doesn't... I'm a little bit... I mean, Hayes is generally probably in that squad maybe the one I would want in that kind of position. He started the season quite well, and in general, he's not too, he's not usually too wild. So you probably would look at that and think, well, it's, it, it's come to John Hayes, that's not a bad place to be. Um, but it's just the story of seasons past, isn't it? Um, just don't take guilt-edged opportunities of that. And you don't, you mean, obviously you can't predict how the game's going to go after that. But what you do know is you've been getting battered you somehow get in one each and a half time, change the dynamic for the home team. And more importantly, it changes the dynamic for the crowd because they won't be expecting that. Yeah. And it gives it gives you as a team something to get in a half time and be like, okay, we've been poor first half, but we're we're one one. We're back where we started. The game's level pegging. Let's go out and execute game plan. If that means we walk away from here with a draw because we keep it nice and tight or whatever, fine. That's a point that's, you know, it's a bit of a bonus point to in a way from where we are, where we'd be probably expecting to be. You know, statistically speaking, I fancy that the 11 other teams in the league will be beating at Celtic Park at some point this season. I think every other team in the league will be beating at Celtic Park at one point this season. So losing today doesn't really, it probably doesn't leave us in a deficit, so to speak, when we get to the end of the season in terms of where we should be with the teams we're competing against at the top end of the table, hopefully. But that additional point you could potentially pick up is could be critical and it lets you just go into the season with a little bit more confidence, a little more belief because we've started the League Cup campaign so well. To have not scored that, you could almost just sense as well. You could see people kind of visibly deflating a little bit because it's that moment of, we know we're not going to get a huge amount of chances today. So when we do get really good clear-cut chances, we need to be sticking away. And it was an incredibly disappointing finish from, from Johnny Hayes. Yeah, well, I mean, Vinny Bajewin drops to his knees. And if there's one thing we can't accuse Vinny of being, it's being overdramatic. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I thought as well, first half and that, that, especially the opening 30 minutes, I just, there, was, there was too many players just not at the races at all. Um, Ramadani looked off it a little bit today. I don't know if that was a consequence of him not playing alongside Ross McCrory, who's been developing a very good relationship, or it was just a bit of a recognition of the, the pace and the movement of the players around him was just a step up from what he's been used to so far. Um, I suspect he's also really still trying to find his feet in terms of fitness and stuff. I know that he came in and he was looking sharp and everything, but playing lower league opposition versus playing, you know, arguably the best team in the country is a completely different mindset. Danny Povara, I spoke to him earlier on, he, he he seems to be getting a lot of grief tonight on social media. I kind of feel a little bit sorry for him in one sense because I think that's a huge, huge ask for a, a guy like Povara to go into a game like that today and 
be expected to hold his own in that midfield area when he's so inexperienced. Um, not just at this level, he's just inexperienced as a footballer full stop. And you could kind of see the game just passing him by to an extent. And he was kind of chasing shadows for a lot of it. He was also really like, as much as it pains me to, to praise opposition players, at halftime, I went back and watched a lot of the stuff from the first half again. The movement of the boy O'Reilly was really scary in the centre of the park. And it was like, Povaris didn't know whether to stick or twist with him. And for a guy who's, who is as inexperienced as he at this level, it's like his head must have just been absolutely frazzled with what he's, what he's trying to do. I mean, I guess it speaks to the reservations people had when we when we signed him from the from the level that we did, you know, um, college soccer to then playing against international players in the top flight of Scotland. It's it's an enormous leap, undoubtedly, and it's especially because from what I can gather, he's learning a new position on top of everything else. Yeah, on top of the you know the adapting to the league itself, he was more of a seemingly more of a box to box goal scoring midfielder type, and now at Aberdeen, he's going to seems to be being asked to play in a more sitting defensive role well, um to, so today, yeah him and ramadani are sitting as two screens in front of a back four mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh i mean we've spoken a lot about him and um, he's got a lot of things going for him um certainly physically as well and he's he seems to be decent enough on the ball um i think yeah it's just for the time being perhaps it's just one step too far for him and i think it may be in in um in relation to the next point i can see that we're about to talk about speaks to the importance of perhaps bringing in reinforcements for either central midfield or centre back so that we don't have to end up in the situation where Ross McCrory is being dropped into centre defence. Yeah, agreed. I mean, uh, Graham's just disappeared. So I'll, I'll maybe just kind of quickly expand on the Povara thing a little bit because you're right in the sense that physically he's a good build. I think it's all, it's fair to say he's a good, he's got a good build about Povara and technically on the ball, I think he does look tidy. I think there is a, I think there's a footballer in there somewhere. But today you can see he struggled really big time with the physicality of the game. He gets out-muscled really badly at the, at the first goal. And then the second goal, he makes a really rash decision to try and press Jota the way he does. He gets beaten way too easily. And from that point on, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a fucking unbelievable hit. Let's not pretend otherwise. But he makes it easy for Jota and he's probably at fault for both goals today, Povara. And that's a that's also a big issue for a young lad to have to try and kind of deal with. I, I do wonder, and Graham, maybe I'll push this one over to you. Technically, I think there's something there. Could he benefit potentially from a loan out to either another Premier League team this season or potentially even into like the Championship to kind of get him used to the rigours and the physicality of playing Scottish football in the centre of a park? I think that's a fair shout. Uh, and maybe come on to that. All I will say is that that Celtic team and those sort of midfield players will make more experienced and or better players look silly over the course of the season as well. So although maybe not Pavara's finest hour, again, I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna beat up on him or he's not good enough or anything like that. Um, they'll they'll make experienced heads look a bit daft because they are just really pretty good once they once they get going. On the loan point. I'm probably inclined to agree. I don't dislike what I've seen of Povara. I think all the component parts are there, but a year or six months playing, hopefully regularly, whether it, you know, ideally probably in the league elsewhere, just to get him used to the physical piece, because he's got the frame. So I really don't think he should be getting bullied too much. I think it's just getting used to how the game's played here versus how it's been played all of his life growing up. So there might be something in that. And there's still time, uh, you know, there's probably what, like a month left to consider loaning him out and getting someone in. So there's time to sort all that. I'd probably rather investigate something like that 
the view to getting him back and he can push on, then he just sort of frizzles away, if you know what I mean. I think what I'd be concerned of is with Paul Vara is that obviously when Scales comes back in, McCrory is going to slot back into midfield. And although Dante appears to be part of Jim Goodwin's plans for the the squad, the, um, the kind of core group of 16, 18 that he's been using, I do think that first team, regular first team games are what he needs in Scotland. I think personally, I'd be looking at maybe one of the part-time teams in the championship so we can keep getting him back to Cormac Park to keep training with Aberdeen. But yeah, with that view of getting those regular minutes um, at a comparably you know decent level, I'd be looking, yeah, if we could make it happen, one of Cove Rangers or one of Arbroath, perhaps. Um, and then with the view or the option of recalling him in January if we need him or if he's seriously impressing out there. Um, but yeah, before we did that, I would need bodies in before we let him go. And it brings us really nicely on. It's almost as though I um, framed it that way for a reason. To to Ross McCrory today. Ross McCrory, I thought actually at centre half, had a good game today actually alongside Anthony Stewart. But there was a moment on the 80th minute mark where he collected the ball on the edge of our 18-yard line, stormed up the pitch with it, really drove up the park with a lot of determination. And you're sitting watching it just being like, that's what we've kind of missed today in the centre of the park a little bit. I thought, I, I felt even in the, in the two or three games that both he and Ram Danny have played together in the centre midfield, they looked like they were developing a really good relationship there and an understanding that obviously wasn't there today. Ram Danny looked a little bit off it today as well. But that moment we just saw McCrory driving at the park, you're like, God, we were really missing that energy and legs in the middle of the park today. And it brings us all the way back now, doesn't it, to the open that particular can of worms about the Liam Scales loan move again in that it's exactly I think what we all feared was going to happen is that we've looked good in the League Cup group stages so far but again you have to put that into context of the opposition we're playing but but Scales and Stuart were making we're developing a good partnership Ramadani and McCrory were developing a good partnership and today all of that has to go into the bin and we have to rejig you know effectively the spine of our team and I think we really suffered from that again today I think you know there's a lot there's, there's a huge argument there to say that that result doesn't happen, or we certainly don't concede so early. Well, put it this way, we concede two goals today, which are Dante Povara's at fault for both of them, as much as it pains me to have to really go in on a, a guy, but he's the one who's who's at fault for both, I would suggest. Povara wouldn't be on the pitch if Liam Scales was centre-half today. Um, has that cost us a better opportunity of picking up points today at Celtic Park? Well, I'll come back on Liam Scales' can of worms in a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I think I think Daniel Simpson made the point on Twitter today, and it's it's valid. It's kind of like um, it's kind of like almost double jeopardy or a double punishment. Um, because if Liam Scales, who's arguably our best centre back, drops out to rectify that situation, Ross McCrory, who's arguably our best midfielder, yeah, is taken away from his position. So yeah, you're getting punished twice. Um, I saw the article that Gary you shared with um Jim Goodwin, um, written by Michael Grant. And it's a it's a it's a very good piece where he mentions the Liam Scales loan specifically, and he makes mention that Liam Scales was identified as being the standout left centre back option that we have, and we wanted it to be permanent. Celtic weren't prepared to play ball on that, so we made the choice to get him in on loan. Um, Jim Goodwin mentioned that he'll be unavailable for a minimum of three games, potentially six. Um, yeah. but that's a decision Jim Goodwin knows, and he'll have to kind of live or die by that decision depending on what happens through the season um when it comes to McCrory it's almost like PTSD to glass <laughs> ball and that you see this guy and yeah he, I'm sure he I mean yeah I'm just gonna put this out there I didn't see the game because I was traveling back from um, Fort William this afternoon but you know Ross McCrory I'm sure he did play well at Sarah Matt because Ross McCrory is just a very good player all around he was becoming 
I think, a very decent center back last season. But I would still maintain that he's a better. I think Graham mentioned it like central midfielders in Scotland, like Ross McCrory, don't come around all that often. Whereas you can get a pretty good center back. Um, I think it's easier to make. But yeah, if we're going to go down this route of scales not being available, we know that if Bates is not in the picture, if Bates, you know, reading between the lines either wants to go or we're prepared to let him go, you know, Mason Hancock going out on loan this um, this past week. It's a big ask in my mind for Jack Milne to step in those positions. Yeah, I think we need reinforcements to not leave us in that situation of, yeah, taking our best center midfielder out of his position and, yeah, compromising the team. I think all I'll add is it's a difficult one. If, if, we, if at the start we're saying games against Celtic don't define our season, then can't maybe then be too critical around scales being available or not because we're saying it doesn't define the season. So it's not ideal and you could do without it, but if he's available for all the other games that you'd hope you can compete in and he makes a difference, maybe it does all add up to something positive over the course of the season. I'm thinking more specifically if we get into a situation of being in a cup game with Celtic. Based on past form, it doesn't matter which, even if we have 15 or 16 players, <laughs> it wouldn't make a difference. I, I, do, I do take your point. I think the double jeopardy thing's interesting because we're effectively being punished twice, aren't we, in a way? Because you're having to rejig two key positions of the team. You are, but that's but that's because of our squad. Yeah, well, that that, that does bring a bigger question mark, which is around so that's our <laughs> fault. That 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 well, you're absolutely right. That does bring a question mark about whether or not we should have been in the market, or, or maybe should still be in the market for an additional centre half if we've decided that if Goodwin's decided he doesn't fancy Bates, and I think that's pretty clear because he's not played a minute of football in the, in the League Cup group stages. Uh, he was on the bench today. Um, Obviously, he was he had a medical allergy at Warsaw during the week. That moves collapse for whatever reason. Um, so, so clearly, Bates is not in the picture at all, and that leaves you with a question mark then about: Do you put Jack Milner, or do you decide to reshuffle the starting eleven to fit McCrory into that that setup? And and those uh, Jack Milner looks like a very talented defender, but he's clearly not ready right yet to step in at centre half for a match at Celtic Park. And so that does leave you then with a question mark: Well, you're having to move. Ross McCrory, aren't you? And that's all you can really do to try and make this work. And I think that double jeopardy thing is a very, very interesting dynamic. But you're right, that does fall down to the manager in the sense of how he built his squad. Um, can I just say for a podcast that's taken a lot of pride in getting pronunciations right, there are any Polish speakers that are going to be having a aneurysm at Legia, Warsaw. Legia? Legia? Legia. Is it Legia? Legia, Warsaw. Oh, okay. Well, there we go. All right, Gav. Just saying. You you supporting your Real Madrid as well. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a Zaragoza fan. But there we go. But yeah, that moment when McCrow just burst out at the centre of the park, you were like, oh man, we, like, we could have really done with a bit of that in there at the centre of the park this afternoon. It's the, it's the story of last season repeating itself. But yeah, like I say, it's a, it's a decision that Goodwin has made on the whole. I still uh, definitely maintain that Goodwin knows what he's doing, but it's a, it's a big call and one that he'll live or die by. Yep. Uh, Hayden Coulson, he he started today, which I kind of was a little bit surprised that we went with Coulson at left back. I just thought because he only joined up late in the week, I, I had a funny feeling we might have shifted John Hayes back to left back, maybe given Cal Roberts his debut further up the park and kind of gone that way. And um, we said he, he decided to put, oh, Gav's got a point to make as well here. So I was I forgot to mention this. Um, so at the second goal, I think it's Turnbull is on the ball who makes the pass to... Um, to Jota and he's kind of being faced up with both Ramadani and Callum Roberts neither of whom really make any kind of effort to mm -hmm. press him and what I did notice that when the ball does hit the net Stuart goes mad at Roberts is it Roberts not, he goes mad at not Polvana I think it's 
again, perhaps a lesson that we've learned a, quite a bit about Callum Roberts, courtesy of um, Paul Mace from uh, from Notts County. And he does sound like a, um, how was I thinking, sort of like a Ryan Hedges, Gary McKay Stephen type in terms of, you know, getting on the ball and making things happen. But yeah, and maybe it'll be a lesson that when you're not with the ball, maybe you need to do a little bit more. It's it's a very, very easy pass through, is, through two yeah, Aberdeen players. Yeah. And, and it maybe doesn't get picked up enough, I think, because people just latch on to the, the Povara kind of attempt to, to close him down. Um, but yeah, going back to this one, Coulson actually thought he had a really ropey first 15, 20 minutes. Um, but then he really settled into a game and actually he, he made some really good runs up the middle of the park a couple of times. He looks very, very skillful on the ball. I was I, I must admit, I was kind of encouraged watching Hayden Coulson this afternoon because I think out of all of the signings we've made this summer, he's probably the one that's made me go... Uh, the most because it just struck me as being a little bit I don't want to use the word lazy recruitment because I think that our recruitment team have demonstrated this season they're doing the very opposite of being lazy but it struck me as being the one that was a bit okay lone player from the championship who can't get a game anywhere else he'll kind of do and then when we spoke to Johnny Bullock from the Borough Breakdown on episode 30 or whatever the fuck it was 53 point 54.5 um the chat from Johnny was very much like, oh, there's kind of a player there and he's okay going forward, but defensively, eh. and I kind of started to get that vibe today. But I must admit, watching him as the game progressed, I actually started to see, I think there might actually be a player in there somewhere. And <laughs> we're going to be, and this is an interesting thing, and this is something I thought about during the game as well today, is we appear to be deciding to set ourselves up in a very, very attacking way this season because we have Richardson, who I think we can all see defensively, is not great going forward looks a decent option to us it looks like we're going to have the very same on the left hand side we're going to be effectively relying very heavily i think on scales and stewart and probably mccrory or ramadani to try and mop up everything um this is a very long way around going saying that i thought hayden colson had an all right game today. <laughs> i think my um initial concern with colson is that he's what 24 i think he's 25 yeah this year i believe um and he's played i think about 94 He's only got about 84 games. Senior games. It's in around. So it's yeah. not a huge amount for the age that he is. So it does no. imply that um, there's not the level of experience there for a player of that age, what he'd be hoping for. I mean, you compare that to say like Lewis Ferguson, for example, um, mm. suggests that, I mean, I think Hayden's been injured um, in the past. I think he picked up a knee injury. Um, so he, he, he yeah. ticks a box for our old recruitment <laughs> checklist. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear. It did sound from Johnny that he is a player that needs a lot of, um, a lot of belief a lot of love and maybe just some some time on the pitch um i thought it was a big call as well i thought with our decision to to let um both mason hancock and kieran Gwenya go out on loan this week which was um well hancock especially was a surprise to me yeah we'll come on to those later on it kind of implies that colson's being looked at as an important player because with the best one in the world i don't think you can really depend on jack mckenzie based on his um injury track record right now mm. it kind of leaves us with the option of colson or hayes and i think i speak for Certainly the three of us, if not everyone, that I want to see Hayes further up the pitch, regardless of his finishing ability from centre of the box, centre yeah. of the goal. Um, so yeah, Hayden Coulson, he's clearly um, someone here to play. He's out of contract at the end of the season. So I think he said himself he's doing this with the view of either securing a contract at Aberdeen or, or elsewhere. So it's a big season for him. Yeah, and let's just, um, I think let's try and round up today because it's kind of, in a way, I, I don't want to kind of dwell too much on today's performance in a really weird way because I think that there's still positive signs in our group and in our development today is just one of those days unfortunately for us that i think we could have i think we could have performed better i don't think we performed anywhere near the kind of level of near the level i think we're capable of doing 
it's disappointing it happens but at the same time we've already said it results of Celtic Park aren't going to dictate where we end up this season I don't think but let's just talk a little bit about Anthony Stewart because I thought he had a really good game today on the whole um I had a bit of an iffy opening 10 minutes but I think everybody in the park did in fairness to them I thought Anthony Stewart did exactly what we were crying out for today anytime the ball came at the box from wide areas from Celtic or to try to play through balls. He was there, heading, kicking, anything that was moving, he was getting it, getting rid of it. Thought he kept Kyogo really quiet as well across the whole game. I mean, obviously he was withdrawn just after the hour mark with very little to show out of his game. And a lot of centre-halves in Scotland have really struggled to keep Kyogo quiet up until now. And I, th- I think a lot of us were looking at Stuart in the last few weeks being like, I think in terms of old-school defending, there's definitely a, a good player in there, but are we going to be a bit worried when we see him up against some of the more kind of skillful players in the league? I thought today... Anthony Stewart was 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 very very good for us. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, you might be interested to know this, but on the radio they were having a pop at him for the Celtic opener. Yeah, I can see why because he's kind of caught in a little bit of no man's land with it. But to me, it looks like we're trying to play this hybrid zonal and man marking at mm-hmm. defensive set pieces. So it looks to me like he's defending an area. The ball drops five or six yards away from the area he's defending. Is there an argument he should be busting a gut to get in there and get ahead of it? Possibly, but if he does that and leaves the area he's meant to be defending exposed, then you're standing pointing the finger at, you know, for me, Welsh gets a runoff of Miofsky and Polvara. I think the two of them should do better. I think it's, I think it's more Polvara than anyone else. I don't think it's an Abdi Stewart issue. And I think there's a buildup of bodies that kind of mean that Stewart can't really go mm. and attack the ball in the way that we've seen him yeah. do so. But yeah, I'm. it sounds like from Twitter that's he's had... A good game. Yeah, like you say, to keep Kyogo quiet, um, who's a intelligent and, you know, quick striker. And we've had our concerns about perhaps Anthony Stewart's pace or his movement to to do that is it bodes well. What I've seen from the highlights of the game, um, there's a moment when Roos makes the double save and Hatati comes in. I think there's like a little bit of a coming together or whatever. And Stewart just like Hatati's maybe appealing for a penalty or a foul or whatever. And Stewart just like grabs him by his shirt and hauls him up back up. That's um Getting in Celtic players' faces, getting in anyone's faces, that's what we want to see from our players, especially from our captains. It's something we've not had for quite some time. I think last year, our captain would have been like picking him up and giving him a handshake. <laughs> quite possibly. Graham, any thoughts before, for you? Before going off the pitch to an ovation. <laughs> Limping. No, I don't really have anything to add. I mean, it kind of sounds like there are some positives to take out of that Um Maybe just a Coulson one is interesting, but obviously, you know, it sounded like it worked out reasonably well. And it, it's probably good that we can do that because, you know, you think back to last season where your team gets then more lopsided because you have to bring Hayes back. And going down there, you need all the attacking threat you need. So you want him further up the pitch. And I appreciate you missed the chance, but he was there to miss it. So, you know, maybe next time he doesn't miss one. Um, overall, it sounds like there was some bits to like and a few things that need worked on but like you said that that Celtic team has played together generally speaking for quite a long period of time we're not quite there so you would hope you'd obviously hope you hit the ground running opening day of the season but maybe it's just going to take a little bit longer for us all to gel and for a lot of these guys I mean the playing Celtics a little different to anyone they played in the League Cup for example so maybe it's just a little bit of an eye-opener to what the league can be about especially the, the teams at the top end yeah, I think that's a fair point. Um, I thought like our our front four today were very quiet. Um, it was just kind of going to be natural given that they, they, they barely got a sniff of the ball. Miofsky 
maybe could have done a little bit better with the ball at his feet first half. He looked a little bit rushed with when he was trying to lay the ball off, etc. But again, he's he's only been in the door for just over a week, so it's, it's hard. These guys need to get time to get up and running. Vinny probably needs to be doing a little bit more, I think, in games like this, potentially when he gets opportunities with the ball. But again, I think sometimes players like Vinny, Matt Kennedy, even to that extent, I, I feel that they need to be getting the ball fed to them regularly to allow them to build a bit of confidence when they're making runs up the park, etc. I think if they're only getting the ball in bits and pieces, it's, it's a bit difficult for them to sometimes get involved in the game. Um, Kennedy had a quite quiet game as well. And then with the, the guys that came off the bench, uh, Duke, Roberts, we didn't really see enough of them to really make any sort of say on them, I don't think. So, I mean, if we're going to look at this top dons, for me, uh, it's hard for me to look beyond Anthony Stewart, which is why I put the poll out tonight with them. Um, four Anthony Stewart's as your options for the AVZFP solar system and it'll come as probably no surprise to anybody that um, you voted for Anthony Stewart as your top don. Gents, do you have any arguments on that front? I mean, I'm going to say it was a it was a vote that was on par with the Kremlin in terms of democracy. Uh, it looks like Roos had a good game. And I think we've been uh, a little bit sceptical of Kel Roos so far. But it looks, yeah, like he did some, looks like he did some uh, did his work pretty well. I mean, he's got no chance with either of the goals. So uh, I'm going to throw someone a bow and I'm going to say Kel Roos. Kel Roos? I am just going to say the third Anthony Stewart that you put. I don't know which one actually won it. <laughs> I think it was the fourth one, which was surprising. Uh, okay, well, I disagree with that. In other news from Pataudry, this week, aside from the signings of Cal Roberts and Hayden Coulson, a relatively quiet week at Pataudry. For more information on those two signings, check out episodes 53.95 and 54.5 of the show, respectively, where we check in with... Uh, Paul Mace of the Notts County podcast, the Magpie Circle, and Johnny Bullock from the Borough Breakdown podcast. Jets, did you have anything else you want to add to those episodes at all? Oh, I think we've, I think we've covered Hayden Coulson with them. Yeah, with Callum Roberts, I would simply say from what I've heard, from what I've seen uh, from YouTube or Twitter, and from what I've seen from the comments from the Notts County fans um, regarding his departure from their club. He sounds like a, a very exciting player. Uh, I look forward to seeing him when he's up to speed and perhaps playing in games when he's getting a little bit more of the ball. But um, guys like that are what you go to watch football for. So excited to see what Callum Roberts brings to us. Yeah, same for me. Um, the Coulson one, interesting because it was a surprise signing. Uh, I wasn't expecting Hancock to go out on loan. And then, like Gav says, we, well, any team, you can't really have enough creativity, can you? So getting guys in who can maybe do something a little bit different is always exciting to watch. Um, hopefully he finds his feet quite shortly. And then we start to get some of those uh, YouTube reels coming out of Pataudry rather than just watching them do it elsewhere. As always, thank you to our guests, contributors. It's very much appreciated. Absolutely. Yeah, it's amazing how many people from sort of all over are quite happy to take the time out and talk about, you know, in some cases an ex-player or in some places one of their players that's going alone and maybe not come back. And it's always good to get that insight. It's a lot better than just a troll through Wikipedia or something, isn't it? To look at a statue, uh, they don't look very good to get someone to give you the context. Now, sometimes they don't look very good for a reason, but other times you get a feel for why maybe he hasn't scored that many because he generally assists or vice versa. I'm waiting for the day that someone reaches out to us for like a similar, like a fan perspective of a player and we just like get on there and it's like, nah, mate, he's pish. It nearly happened this week with Legia Vatha, Gav, you know, so <laughs> nearly happens. Wouldn't say that about the Ginger Ramos, come on. Mm-mm, mm-mm. So, yeah, I mean, also confirmed during the week that both Keenan Nguyenia and Mason Hancock, Gab, you touched on this earlier on, 
that the two of them will be heading out alone for the rest of the campaign, uh, both into the championship and the Gwyneth to Wraith Rovers, uh, Mason Hancock to our broth. Now, that, the Hancock to our broth move obviously kind of rejuvenated because um, that had been called off earlier in the window after Jack McKenzie was injured in the uh, Bucky Thistle preseason game. I guess we'll touch a little bit more on these players as we go forward in Lone Watch, but you kind of touched on earlier on, Gav, that that may be a little bit of a surprise, particularly Hancock, potentially, that move coming back off again. Yeah, simply because um, Jim Goodwin's made it pretty clear through the the League Cup group stages that he's going to play his strongest 11 and Hancock's started every game of that and seemed to be, I think we talked about it last week, he was getting better and better with uh, with more game time that he got. So I think I, I understand the reasoning. I think it's to get uh, Mason time at uh, a club where he can play his his natural position, where we perhaps have his perhaps we see his long-term position being at Aberdeen. But given how well he's done, given that, yeah, as I've kind of mentioned before, Jack McKenzie's, you know, played a few games here, then got injured, played a few games here, got injured. That's kind of been the constant of his time since he's kind of gone to the first team. It's It must speak to the belief that we have in, in um, Hayden Coulson at left back. And to me, it means that we must be looking in the market to get, as I've said before, either another centre-back option or an, another centre-midfield option. Preferably, in my mind, a center back. All, yeah. all I would say is that, well, we'll go on to what they did, but um, mm-hmm. I'm guessing this is more to do with them just getting in the door this week, maybe not being up to speed with what the uh, the manager wants, but um, I'd hope that we're going to see these guys starting for their loan sides. Yeah. Good. Yeah, just like Gav, I was a bit surprised that the Hancock move, just for the reasons Gav gave, he'd, he'd played every game, um, had looked competent. I, I appreciate its levels um, from you know some some of the teams in the the League Cup group stage to the likes of Celtic, but still the fact that he played a week in week out and looked pretty good in the ball, looked pretty confident. I was a little surprised to see him go out on loan, but maybe he's just played because we were a little light while they were taking their time to recruit properly. So hopefully it'll work out for him. Hopefully he gets the experience that we're obviously wanting him to get and if that means he comes back at the halfway point and he comes back next year a better player and better equipped to play for Aberdeen then then that's good for him and it's good for us yeah no absolutely it, it certainly appears I guess what we thought or what we talked about in the in the Celtic game review that Coulson I think is clearly going to be in there with Jack McKenzie is the first choices for the left back slot and I think they've obviously made a decision at that point that they don't want Hancock or Niguenya for that matter just sitting on our, our bench what about getting game time and they feel that this is the best way for that to happen. So I guess let's. that seems like a suitable place to move on to Lone Watch. And as we just touched on, uh, Kieran Nguyenia out to Wraith Rovers for the season earlier in the week. An unused substitute as Wraith went down 2-0 to Cove Rangers at the Balmoral Stadium in the Championship. Evan Tyler, though, with the full 90 under his belt at left back for Cove as they got their championship campaign off to a flyer. Mason Hancock at our broth came off the bench for the last 25 minutes as our broth started their championship campaign with a nil-nil draw at Somerset Park. Tom Ritchie, an unused substitute as Queen of the South's campaign, looking at getting an immediate return to the championship. Didn't get off to what you would call the ideal starts with a 4-1 defeat at home to Clyde. So I wonder if we might see Tom Ritchie possibly in the sticks, <laughs> given their goalkeeper there shipped four. Kevin Hanratty came off the bench for the last 25 minutes for Forfra Athletic as they started their League 2 campaign with a 2-0 defeat away to new boys Bonnie Rigrose Athletic. And Dean Campbell, an unused sub at Big Bad Steve Evans is Stevenage, Stevenage Borough? 
Yep, that sounds legit. Even as butter. There we go. As they got off to a flyer, a 2-1 win over Tranmere Rovers, managed by ex-Arab gaffer Mickey Mellon, uh, featuring ex-Don's target Josh Cogley from the close season as well. So there we go. Josh Cogley, maybe not all that good, it turns out. Who knows? Let's wait and see. Anyway, on to the young team. Now, early in the week, there was firstly the announcement of the SPFL Rever- Reverse League. <laughs> it's my favourite league. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's uh, it's overtaking the Norwich Irish. Norwich Irish. Yeah, yeah like, we'll talk about this season. That's like what? Sounds like what? Fantasy footballer, is it? Is that yeah, the name of it? it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Uh, Earlier in the week, the return of the SPFL Reserve League was announced, but the Dons not participating in this one, instead looking to continue our stance of relying on the under 18s league and our loan dealings to give our young players experience and game time. Gents, any thoughts on that? Or you kind of feel that the club's approach to this is probably sensible? I think all I'd say is I'd reiterate the stance of someone that I fully 100% trust the judgment of Neil Simpson when it comes to the development of our young players. Um, And yeah, I'm fine with the decision. All I'd say is having listened to you go through our loan watch there, I'm sure we are making, you know, careful considerations where our players go out on loan. But yeah, the big thing there is they get game time. And uh, that selection there was a little bit concerning, but it's early days. What would I know? So yeah, if... uh... (laughs) Simi, Robson, etc. Um, have decided that not participating is going to be better in terms of the either the quality of the opposition or the volume of games or whatever it may be, then I'll go along with that. Because there aren't that many teams in it. They don't play that many games, do they? Yeah, there's not that many teams now because obviously um, Celtic... Well, they've got their Colts, don't they? Sevco and Hearts have got their Colts in the Lone League. Yeah. Um, I think Hibs weren't participating in this reserve league. Um, yeah, I think it was only like, it was about eight teams in it, I think, and they play each other twice, maybe? I think it was only twice, so it's not really like it's a yeah. big, long league. So yeah, I uh, I will trust the judgment of people far more knowledgeable than I am. Sounds good. So the Cass Under-18 League, that got back up and running on, well, last Friday afternoon at Cormac Park, and the young team turned on the style to hammer St Mirren by nine goals to nil in the sunshine, buoyed by a successful trip to Portugal, which featured an impressive smashing slash thumping of Hull City's under-18s by four goals to nil. Barry Robson's side featured all six of the young players who signed full-time contracts with the club in the summer, with Alfie Babbage, Alfie Stewart, Cammy Wilson, Finlay Marshall, Kai Watson all starting the game, and Mulas Oshmanski. I really apologise if I've murdered that. I'm so sorry. That's as good as I can do. Molos coming off the bench for 15 minutes to go. I'm in no position to correct you on that one. There we go. A debut also for Brendan Hamilton, a 16-year-old Northern Irish left-back who was signed from Gontoran in the summer. Goals from Liam Harvey on 12 minutes, Adam Emsley on 14. Harvey again on 20 minutes. Timmy Fatone on 25. Had the Dons on easy street before Adam Emsley grabbed his second on the half-hour mark. Liam Harvey completed a 36-minute hat-trick as he headed home a Brendan Hamilton cross at the back post. To make it, I think that's six at halftime. Alfie Babbage getting in on the act on 72 minutes before adding a second nine minutes later before Lewis Perry completed the scoring with his first goal at this level, following up on a spilled shot by the goalkeeper to prod home Aberdeen's ninth and bring the goal scoring to a halt. All in all, not a bad start to the campaign for Byron Robson's side, a team who you imagine could go on to do some good things this season if they're kept together. But there's possibly already signs that the likes of Liam Harvey might be ready for a move out on loan to an SPFL league side this season. And I think that, gents... Can I just say, before we move yes. on, I am genuinely amazed we've retained Barry Robson. I am with you on this. Given the sheer number of clubs in the Championship League One that have brought in new managers this season, this summer, should I say, 
I would have thought he'd be like number one on a lot of um, clubs shortlist. And yeah, I'm I'm kind of genuinely started after you after you got a little bit of a taster last season of uh, first yeah. team management. I thought he would have the time felt right for Barry to move on, but everyone else's loss or non-gain is definitely our gain because he's been doing some great work. Completely agree. Can't disagree with any of that at all. I, I'm surprised. I don't know if a lot of clubs have maybe looked and decided they really wanted to go with a bit more um, experience or whatever over the summer window. But, you know, you look at some of the that guys that have got jobs. Um, I'm thinking about the boy that Airdrie took on who's got no experience at this level. Um, I can see kind of Falkirk having done the Paul Sheeran thing and having, was it Martin Rennie they had briefly deciding they wanted an experienced head and so that's where they've gone for John McGlynn. I could kind of see why certain jobs haven't worked out, but I'm even surprised like Kelty Hearts, for example, didn't look at him. Kelty, Cove Rangers. Yeah, I thought I thought he would have been a right good run-in for the Cove Rangers job, but it could be as well. I mean, I think, I, I imagine Barry's probably being pretty well recompensed at Aberdeen in the role he's in, and so it might need a really decent level team to come and prize him away. You don't know what sort of pathway, if you like, he... Well, there's that as well. It's on. Uh, obviously, he did have the the taster, and in my opinion, it was quite a big step to say. I know there was some calls. Uh, it might have been maybe with yourself, Gary, saying, you know, get, just give him to the end of the season. Um, give him a run. <laughs> but uh, I guess my point being, you don't know what sort of career path he thinks he can get, or the club believe he can have at Aberdeen. And ultimately, if you bide your time and you end up with a crack of being the Aberdeen manager. In my opinion, that's a pretty good gig to get. So maybe that's worth hanging around for. This is where it'll, they'll announce after we've wrapped up tonight that he's been poached to, I don't know, Motherwell or something like that. He's left. Well, there you go. Keep our eye on Twitter for that one. Uh, just to enforce, absolutely not complaining. But yeah, I'm just really surprised he's not moved on. Yeah, no, completely agree on that one. Um, let's let's wait and see what happens. So anyway, I guess that wraps up the first half of this week's show. Join us after the break. For the second half, we will turn our attention to next Saturday's visit of St Mirren to the home of football. The ABZ Football Podcast is proudly sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Each Saturday throughout the month of August, Siberia are bringing you the very best of Aberdeen's musical talent onto their terrace in the sun, hopefully. Join them as DJs, acoustic acts and more take to the stage and as the bar is only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop to Pataudry Stadium, it's the perfect place for pre and post match pints and even better, head to the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod as ABZ Pod for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week including match days. Welcome back to the ABZ Football Podcast. Now, before we move on to talk about next Saturday's visit of the Buddies to Pataudry, we'd just like to give a shout out to Kevin Watt and Greg W, the W obviously for winner, and an anonymous donor who have made contributions to the ABZ FP Beer and Coffee Fund this week. Graham's shaking his head at that one, but I thought that was a pretty solid W myself, to be honest. Uh, we see you. Your bread's appreciated. If you'd like to help keep us fueled in beers or coffees, head on over to ko-fi.com forward slash APZ football podcast the link is in the description buy us a beer or a coffee it is absolutely much appreciated and the three of us continue to ramp up our fundraising activities for the season ahead firstly the three of us committing to our run 
cycle crawl with the 2,261 kilometers that represents the distance between Aberdeen and Gothenburg ahead of the 40th anniversary of the Dons' victory over Real Madrid on the 11th of May 2023. If you'd like to make a donation, which will see our funds split 50-50 between Aberdeen Necessities and the AFC Heritage Trust, please head on over to justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash ABZ football podcast. Again, the link is in the description. Make a donation to two wonderfully worthy causes. Go on, you know what's the right thing to do. And this week, Gav's gone kind of one step beyond. A wee trek up Ben Nevis on Saturday. Gav, how did you get on? I mean, Ben Nevis completed it, mate. I believe in cricket terms of this is a power play to get <laughs> my uh, kilometers into the into the excess rather than the deficit I built up last week. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a challenge, certainly. Um, I appreciate all the advice and tips and people just saying, be careful and don't be a fanny on Twitter when I announced I was doing <laughs> it. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to say a lot of fun. It wasn't a lot of fun, but it was a good challenge. I'm very proud to have done it. I'm proud of Matilda. And more importantly, I'm proud of my dog because uh, that is a long way to go for a wee 20 kilogram pooch. I bet Matilda's going to be delighted to find that you're more proud of the dog than you are of her. So there we go. Uh, she doesn't listen to this thing. <laughs> Who does? Who does? <laughs> this has been a bit of a quiet week for me on the, on the old... On the old Aberdeen Gothenburg trek, uh, 269 kilometers in I am now. I don't know what that is in miles. I, I can look it up later on, but below the 2000 mark now, which is good. All progress. So, yeah, my total as of this moment in recording is 235.16 kilometers, which is about 150 miles. So, you get in there, get in there. And Graham's kind of leaped up into the, the lead here. He's come out of nowhere. It's also. Tatties for you boys because bicycle incoming next weekend. So it's game over. Absolutely game over for you boys. 287 clicks in you are, Graham. You're doing well, mate. You're doing well. It's it's good. The things that Graham will do to get his mum's home cooking. (laughs) 20 kilometres in it. 20 kilometres in it. I might just go out tonight after we finish this and just beast in 100 kilometres or so just to really... Driving doesn't count. <laughs> you can't strap your watch, whatever you measure it on, to the tires and then tear about. Have you ever done that when you forgot you were like on a run or something? You've left your watch on and you got back in the car and then you realise it and you get home and you're like, "Fuck me, that that was a quick, that was a quick kilometre I nailed in there." Lovely stuff. Anyway, let's move on. If you'd like to help donate, like I say, it's justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash abz football podcast. We really appreciate it. And lastly. Our ABZFP Fantasy Football League is back up and running on the Fantasy Football Scotland app. Um, I'm not going to lie, I, I, I'm I'm not a massive fan about the fact they've done this weird thing now where you can't update one team and it carries through to all the different leagues you're in. Very annoying. Yeah, I didn't. So I'm only in our one because I think we had our own little side one Yeah. last time. I did see a few people chatting about that. I, I don't have the patience to edit. I barely have the patience to edit one, never mind <laughs> multiple teams. I don't know why they've done that. I, I don't understand it. It's very frustrating, but never mind. Yeah, with the best tool in the world, I don't think the app is hugely user-friendly, and I'm going to be very diplomatic in that way. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely fair enough. I think in the ABZFP League, I'm currently sitting tied 52nd place. Show off. 60 points. But again, because I'm playing by the, the Don's rules here, that there are absolutely none of them allowed in this. So, you know, you can captain Tavernier all you want and, you know, get about 500 gazillion points. That's good for you, but it ain't happening here. That's not what's happened. But I did get, I've got Big Ash Taylor at the back. So I got 10 points for Big Ash's Bambastonesque smash in the top corner. So that's quite nice. Is it just me or can you not see people's team names? 
it's because again this year the way it was like the way it was set out you had to enter different team names in it was very confusing anyway um top of the table is stevie cha 88 points david attenberg it's quite a good name second place 87 points and Alan J03 uh, in third spot. I am tied for 196th. Oof. So you'll have tied a little bit of scrolling to do. Bear with me. I am where am I? I am tied 103rd. 53 points for me. 53. Oh, well, there we go, boys. You're languishing behind already as it is. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Indeed. Anyway, um, You'll find our league on the main landing page on the app, or you can use the code ABZFPL to log your team in. If you're not sure how to put your team who already exists into another league, when you go to your team, there's a wee lightning bolt icon in the bottom left corner. Click on that, enter the code. That should make you enter the team. And yeah, we'll get back to you guys with regards to prizes we're going to have for um, the league next season. I just need to actually get my finger out of my backside and actually get on to doing something about it. But there will be something to celebrate but anyway now let's take some time to preview next Saturday's visit of St Mirren to Pataudry in our opening first match of the Premiership campaign now we were meant to have Div from Pie and Bothell on to give us his thoughts on the St Mirren thing but Div has decided that the pub is a better place to spend his evening tonight than coming and join us now it's not for me to say but I think he's probably running scared what do you think boys? Shat it big time absolutely Fucking shattered. I'd be doing this exact same thing if my team had Declan Gallagher. Yeah. He's in a in a room, lights off, rocking backwards and forwards, terrified at the prospect of facing the Dons. Which I can understand. With Motherwell Mark II. Don't blame him. <laughs> Don't blame him at all for it. But yeah, Dev, we see you. You shat it, mate. We will not take it easy on you on Saturday. Yeah, we won't take it easy when we actually get you on the show eventually anyway to, to talk through this nonsense. So that means you just have to deal with us three um sorry casting wild aspersions about submitting um and how they're getting on and what they should expect and you know all that kind of good stuff so anyway let's go on that i mean submitting they were kind of a bit of a mirror of us towards the tail end of last season um Stephen robinson came in the door obviously following the departure of jim goodman to the northeast of scotland Stephen robinson went about his business in a very similar way by telling a lot of the players he'd inherited that they simply were shit and St Mirren kind of just about stumbled over the line of safety. I think they finished the campaign with four clean sheets on the bounce. They eventually finished up in ninth spot, one place and three points ahead of ourselves. They fell at the round of 16 in the League Cup. Who does that sound like? And in the quarterfinals of the Scottish Cup. So they went... A, a Who does that not it. sound like? Not us, not, not, not us. Pretty busy window for the buddies um, in the summer so far. Seven players coming in the door including the likes of Declan Gallagher um, from Aberdeen, Trevor Carson from Dungeon United and Mark O'Hara from Motherwell. Six main kind of first-team players going out the door, like Conor McCarthy, Jack Anik, Alan Power and Kyle McAllister all leaving alongside Conor Ronan, um, who's returned to Wolves. And Aberdeen are still just hanging on, waiting to see what happens there. Now, it's fair to say, not a great start to the campaign for the buddies they fell at the Premier Sports Cup at the first hurdle defeats that are both an airdrie condemning them to not make it out of Group E their first league match of the season this on Sunday afternoon saw them beating 1-0 at home by Motherwell um, which sees Kevin Van Veen go with three goals out of four games against Declan Gallagher um, that's all I'm going to say on that one on the face of it oh, I think when the fixtures came out I think we looked at the most and gone that's a decent enough first home match for us at home and it should be an opportunity for us to hopefully get our season really properly up and running next week. You would certainly hope so. 
And that's the first barometer of hopefully how much we've improved from last season. I know we gave them a bit of a shooing. Was it a sort of festive period? Yeah, yeah, 4-1. Um, yeah, during during the brief recovery, yes. Yes, but they returned the favour with interest every time we went down there. So I think if we can, you know, if, if you can get through that, that's where it's a home game against St Mirren. Aberdeen need to be winning those games if you've got any aspirations of being at the top end of the table. And if you could do that with a bit of aplomb, I think that would show that that we're we're headed on along the right the right path. So I think you're right, Gary. It's uh, the opening fixture was pretty tough. I, mean, I know you've got to play them sometime, but it's probably not what you'd want when you're trying to build a new team and maybe get a bit of momentum between sort of the fans and the and the management. But this one is probably about as good as it could have got. I mean, yeah, we smashed them. What four one. Uh... Last season, first time out at Pataudry, um, one of the best performances of the season. In my view, we should have battered them on the last day of the season, um, barring Jack Alnick and some very dubious eyesight on the uh, on the part of the linesman on the main stand side, certainly, and the um, overly trusting nature of, I think it was Don Roberts was the referee, I'm sure, yeah, of possibly. the St. Mirren players, because why would they possibly lie about these things? Um, they've lost... A number of what you'd call probably big players for them. Um, McCarthy, Ronan, I think Gogic was a big player for them on loan from Hibs. And I think Jordan Jones did some some good things for them when he was on loan from Wigan. Jordan Jones has never done any good things for anybody. Come on, Gav, stop, stop lying. That's fake news. <laughs> uh, he did score that winner against Rangers. No, he did, didn't he? Before he put that tweet out or after yeah. he put that tweet out. I can't remember, I remember the uh, timeline, but hey, there you go. Um They've kind of done what they did last season in terms of bringing in um, SPL experience with some of their signings, and they've gone a little further afield with some others, um, Sydney or Morecambe. Morecambe. <laughs> um, but I think the interesting thing is that the chat going around with Alexander leaving Motherwell is that Robinson is potentially being lined up for a return to Motherwell, which I think would probably be a good thing for him. It would probably be a good thing to perhaps jump before he's pushed. Because our understanding is that he's not um, a flavour of the month in the Paisley area. So it's an interesting one to keep an eye on as we go towards that game. I mean, Robinson was very clear today that there's no truth in that whatsoever. And I'm not entirely sure he'd be particularly welcome back at Motherwell. Um, it ended pretty it ended pretty badly, I think, for Robinson at Motherwell. So I don't think it'd be a move that the Motherwell fans would be particularly enamoured with. Do I look happy? Do I look settled? <laughs> I mean... The, the, the solution of Motherwell, I mean, we're digressing here. The solution of Motherwell is staring them in the face. I mean, you want to talk about things that didn't end well. We all know who it needs to be. They need to take no, 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 the no, 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 no. It's just their turn. The, the steel men, the whatever you call their supporters, they don't deserve that. Sit men and fans. Park boys or whatever they are. Kenny, Kenny and co at Paisley at the, at the, what do you call their stadium? Smiza. The Smiza. It's their turn. So you reckon Robinson back to Motherwell? Robinson back to well, McGee to Paisley. It's only fair. It's only fair. I mean, I suspect they probably still have some jackets at Motherwell with MM already blazoned on them. So if they're looking to save a couple of bob, you know, it's, it's staring them in the face. I mean, I think, interestingly, Submitter went today. They went um, they went with a back three. They went 3-5-2 today. And they chose to play Declan Galco on the right-hand side of that three, which I just find a baffling decision. I, I, I don't understand that at all. I believe that's what he did at Livingston. 
maybe, but I just think given his age now, given what we saw last season, if you're going to play a three, you play him at the centre of the three and you hope, have to hope he's not having to run around too much. If you're playing a three, you just don't play him in, in the three. <laughs> Based on what we saw last season, I'm surprised they played him. Well, yes, possibly. Let's, well, not, let's step not, step back, signed him. Let's not go too let, let's not go too deep on the Declan Gallagher thing here because you know what's going to happen. It's an odd position to put him in. I agree with you there. It, yeah, it, it would that would be a position I'd have for a defender who can play football. Yes, I would have thought so. Although, is it possible because Joe Shaughnessy is a left foot, isn't he? No, he's right footed. He played right back for us. Did he play right back for us? I thought he played left back. No, he played right back. I'm getting mixed up now. Yeah, he played right back for us, didn't he? It was I him took... getting uh, sent off it for a <laughs> for park, park. That, made, that meant that we signed Shea Logan. That's just what I was just thinking about. I was trying to work out where he was on the pitch when he got sent off there. Yeah, if that's the case, then it makes no sense because I imagine Shockenessy is a better footballer than Gallagher is. So why not play Shockenessy on the right-hand side? At least he can try and play a pass up and down the line. I, I don't understand this. He's probably I... better at maths too. Am I missing a reference here? Well, you tweeted Joe Shaughnessy when he got his degree for maths. So he did. So he did. Forgot all about that. I don't, I, I'm sure there was more to it than just a degree in maths, but you know. Big Joe Shockness is a big maths dork. Who'd have thought it? I'm not sure if you can get a degree for your times tables, but hey. <laughs> That's very harsh, Gab. Very harsh indeed. I'm just saying, I'm sure there's more to it than what I'm aware of. I'm sure, yeah. I, I assume he's got something a little swanky than what you did in standard grade, yeah. But yeah, it's, it, it kind of feels a bit difficult to kind of judge, I guess, how next week will go because by all accounts, actually, it looks like St Mirren actually played quite well today against Motherwell, but that's a stinking result for them, isn't it? After the way their League Cup campaign panned out, I mean, did you see some of the, the footage of after the Airdrie game where they were getting proper dogs abuse off their supporters, which to be fair, kind of deserve after getting beat by Airdrie, but a Motherwell team who've just been humped out of the Europa League by... Sligo Rovers well I mean more to the point I mean yeah more to the point like it doesn't really matter what the performance is like if you're getting beaten at home by a team that I've just been pumped 3-0 by Sligo and yeah you want to talk about toxicity amongst the support <laughs> did you see yeah. uh, the state of affairs in the away <laughs> section at Sligo I, I I did I did see that Um, it was how could you describe it tasty would that be or how would Danny Dyer describe it <laughs> uh, Naughty. Proper naughty, I think that's right. That's right. Um, obviously, Stevie Hamill only went in charge of Motherwell on yesterday morning. Oh, Stevie Hamill's caretaker. Stevie Hamill's caretaker. He only got put in there yesterday morning. Um, Stevie Hamill, of course, who's probably still having PTSD from Tommy Wright <laughs> smashing him into a wall at Fir Park. So, presumably, when we play Motherwell in two weeks' time, our guest of honor for the day should be PC Tommy Wright. <laughs> I imagine when Stevie Hamill like, goes to bed, when he closes his eyes, that's the first thing he sees. <laughs> Just a rampant charging Tommy Wright. <laughs> um, but, but looking at the hashtag data, first time we've got to use that this season so far. You know, you look at it, St. Mirren had 19 shots, six on target. They had expected goals, 2.21 to Motherwell's 1.15. Bearing in mind, Motherwell had a penalty kick, so their XG just jumps massively because they had a penalty. Um, Motherwell down to 10 men as well. Ricky Lamy sent off with, that was only with eight minutes to go, so it's not potentially long enough to to really influence the game. But yeah, that's a bad, bad result for no matter what the stats look like and it looks like St. Minimum were maybe a bit unfortunate to, to not come away with anything from that game. That's a bad result. I'm being flippant, but yeah, um, Liam Kelly's been awarded, I think, man of the match on BBC. Yeah. So yeah, if the opposition goalkeeper wins man of the match, it doesn't imply that, you know, doesn't imply that Motherwell are playing them off the park or anything like that. No, and I, I, goals last season, I think, were, were St. Minimum's biggest issue. Um, they've been missing... 
I think they played Ayunga and uh, Grieve up top today. I think Ayunga, they signed him from Morecambe, didn't they? So he'll come up from, uh, Stephen Robinson will have known him from his time at Morecambe. There's the boy Alex Grieve who did okay at back end the last season. They've been missing Curtis Main and Emma Brophy through most of the close season. Curtis Main came off the bench. Today for 30 minutes, Brophy was an unused sub. The lone wolf. Unused sub. Yeah. Stephen right. Robinson does not know what he's doing. So I guess there's always the chance that the two of them maybe come back into contention next week. But I guess for us, I mean, what do we expect? I, I'd expect us obviously next week to see Liam Scales come into the starting lineup. It means we can push Ross McCrory back up into the centre of the park. I suspect that means Dante Polvara drops out. But do we expect everything else around the, the team apart from those moves to remain the same? Or do you think we see Cal Roberts potentially come in for a debut? I'd expect... Yeah, I expect Scales to come back in, obviously. Um, Colson to continue at left back. Um, McCrory to partner Ramadani. I expect we'll keep the trio of Hayes, Kennedy and Bajowin supporting Miofsky. Uh, perhaps with the view of Cal Roberts getting some half an hour or maybe a bit longer, depending on what the score is. Um, I expect yeah, we'll go with the sort of team we saw through the group stage uh, with the difference of Coulson in for Hancock. Graham? Yeah, probably think that's probably what we get, but I would like to see Roberts play from the start, actually. Um, Who would you drop out then? Kennedy. There was no hesitation there whatsoever. (laughs) No, there was none. (laughs) I just don't really care for him, to be honest. Like, he has, I guess, like every sort of creative type player they're not always in the game and they do something so he's got the you know something I mean like the free kicking Sterling for example was really tidy but overall I've not seen anything from him in Aberdeen jersey that makes me think he is really good enough to be playing in that team week in week out so I would drop him a friend of ours who Graham routinely goes to away days with um, who's a opinion of football I immensely respect does not rate Matty Kennedy whatsoever and I do wonder if he's having an influence on our game here. Yeah, I Alan just, Gray doesn't uh, know what he's talking about, about football. <laughs> it's, it's, no, doesn't know what he's talking about. Full stop. Full stop, yeah. Um, I just don't just don't see it. Uh, he's not done enough. I don't really know how he ended up at Aberdeen, if I'm being blunt. And he's not done enough to make me think he's good enough. Because he played well against us once. Well, I guess that was the policy at a point in time. <laughs> um, Curtis Main. So, yeah, it doesn't do it for me. I'd like to see Roberts get a, get a shot. I think it'll be interesting to see what he does decide to do next week. Obviously, Cal Roberts will at least have another week under his belt with the team. I think he probably adds more going forwards than what we've seen from Matt Kennedy so far in an Aberdeen shirt, purely going by you know YouTube reels and all that kind of good stuff. But Kennedy is reasonably disciplined, though. So, but there's that sort of trade-off. But you'd hope you don't really need that to the same extent at home against St Mirren. Yeah, and obviously, but the thing is, Roberts and Richardson have got a relationship already because they played alongside each other in Ross County, so they do know each other, so you don't think that should necessarily be a huge, huge issue. It will be interesting to see, because I, I think next week, and I know some people might talk, might might say that this is being defeatist or being kind of deferential with regards to the performance on Sunday at Celtic Park, but if we're being realistic about it, next Saturday probably gives us a more realistic barometer as to where we are really at this season um, and where we're at with regards to this rebuild because for us to do anything like what we aspire to do this season and i.e. finishing within the top three top four of the league we need to be dispatching St Mirren at home every day of the week and twice on Tuesday 
So is there some pressure, do you think, on Goodwin and on the squad from that perspective going into next Saturday? There's pressure every home game if you're playing for Aberdeen to a degree, regardless of the opposition. So, yeah, there is pressure, in my opinion. Not like, shouldn't you know, sort of toxic, booing, unmanageable yeah, yeah. pressure, but there is pressure. I, people will be getting frustrated if the game goes on. We're not in it or we're not ahead. But I'd like to think we've got enough to to get the points. It's important that we do. But I, I do agree with you. Saturday is a much more meaningful sort of measurement to where we are this season and how this squad looks like it might perform over the course of the season than unfortunately today was where we're just not in a position where you can really go and take the game to Celtic down there but you absolutely should be taking the game to St Mirren and then some when you're up to Audrey. To quote uh, what culture's finest contributor Andy H Murray um, you know regarding today's performance against Celtic um, Aberdeen have largely played like a team that's made 10 first team signings this window uh, and it sucks to get the hardest game of the season on day one when that's the situation. Um, Sunday was difficult against Celtic, um, but the game against St Mirren is the test for me um, as far as where we are. It will give me a better inkling of where we're going to, of how the season is going to go for us. I would tend to agree, actually, now with Graham, that I thought about it. I want us to go in with a bit more creativity and to be a bit more on the front foot. Graham's right. There's pressure. If you're an Aberdeen player, there's pressure every game at Pataudry. Um Last season, too many or too many games at Pataudry where we were playing teams that on paper, in budget terms, we should be doing far better against and we came up short. So many occasions. Motherwell, St. Johnston, Ross County. The big thing, be positive and make sure that everyone in that team knows that anything less than a win is not good enough. Agreed. So on that basis then, uh, James, your predictions for Saturday afternoon at the home of football. 3-0, Bielski hat-trick because I've captained him in my fantasy football team. Uh, on the basis of St Mirren's results so far in this competitive season that has seen them ship goals to Airdrie, Arbroath and now Motherwell, I believe that Mark McGee's St Mirren will lose this game by four goals to nil. Can you imagine the scenes if, if Mark McGee gets parachuted <laughs> into that role ahead of next week? Oh uh, man, we'll we'll have to warn Kenny. We, we might have to do a mini. That would be the one and only sort of like external team decision that would justify us coming and doing this shit. Yeah. Just to be like, Kenny, live call. Have you heard the good news? Can you imagine having to drag Div out of his hungover pit tomorrow <laughs> to discuss this? <laughs> that is like the fear to the maximum. Absolutely. Uh, because he's not here, you know, I would have been polite if Div was here and I'd, I'd probably just gone with, you know, Aberdeen 2, St Mirren 0. Um, I'm going to go with Aberdeen 7, St Mirren 0. <laughs> going to absolutely smash the buddy. Stephen Robinson is going to be crying in the dugout into Eamon Brophy's shoulder. It's going to be delightful. 7-0. The steak pies will just be an adequate temperature. Lovely stuff. I think he'll be crying into Curtis Main's pretty well-developed traps. Miofsky double Duke to get his first goal Declan Gallagher smash one in his own net delightful stuff and on that note that wraps up this week's episode of the ABZ Football Podcast thanks for joining us please remember to like, subscribe, follow or whatever on your podcast player of choice join us next week for episode 56 where we'll review our SPFL Premiership smashing of St Mirren before we turn our attention to the following week's visit of Motherwell to Pataudry 
in the company of the MFC podcast. We look forward to seeing you then. Stand free. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop taking supporters to Tawdry Stadium for free on match days. Come on you Reds!